This is The Dish, the official podcast of the National Reconnaissance Office, brought to you by the NRO's Office of Public Affairs. Hello and welcome to The Dish. My name is Heik Nalchayan with the National Reconnaissance Office, and I'm here in beautiful New Zealand sitting down with Major Joe Chestnut. Uh, Joe, you're the mission manager for not one but two consecutive launches here in New Zealand. Uh, tell, tell us what it's been like. Um, well, first off, just thank you for uh, sitting down with me here. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. It's been uh, a lot of good teamwork with a lot of different people and a lot of you know amazing partnerships and seeing you know years and years of work come together and uh, land on orbit is just something that you know I'm never going to forget and it's the reason that we do what we do. So it's pretty amazing. Awesome. I mean, we're pretty far from home here. I mean, tell me, what is it like that, that's uh, managing two launches from halfway across the world? I mean, how do you coordinate such a huge undertaking with all our mission partners? Well, we have really um, amazing teams, and I would say, like, you know, just, just all-star caliber people. But it it has been, you know, you, you just never know what's going to happen. You're going to get phone calls at different times, and the uh, the phone translation for me has been uh, something that I've tried to 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 work on. I actually keep my watch on East Coast time, um, cell time. You know, is obviously here local, and then doing those conversions to you know Australia with our other partners and uh, Pacific Coast because then that that drives a different day for day. So we've been able to do it. It's been amazing to see the team and how they do it, and yeah, it's been successful so far. So. Yeah, it's a good experience. Uh, for those people listening that are trying to, you know, imagine, you know, where we are right now, can you describe Mahia and, and uh, you know, the differences here between what we're used to back home? Yeah, so so Mahia is a beautiful peninsula on the New Zealand uh, <clears throat> on the New Zealand island, and essentially, you know, we went from from sunny uh, summer on the east coast or west coast, depending on where you were, to the southern hemisphere where it's winter time. So. Even though we're in, you know, the July, August time frame, uh, much colder temperatures, uh, remote wind, uh, geographically separated, if you will. I mean, our airport and grocery stores are in, in an hour away, over an hour away. And then just driving to the site, I mean, you have to traverse uh, extremely skinny, uh, windy roads and um, sheep, cows. <laughs> yeah, a lot of different animals. So it's it's been... It's it's like out of a story. People can tell you about it, but until you're here, uh, actually driving it, it, it just doesn't do it justice. But still, the most beautiful, breathtaking um, scenery that I've ever seen. So it's definitely different than say Vandenberg or the Cape, and you know some of our more traditional launch sites. Have you discovered anything you didn't expect like during the lead up to the launch? Um, like what are the the quirks? Uh, I mean, I know that's a kind of a quirk just driving there, but. Um... What else was unexpected on this journey? Uh, the winds, I mean, as you've seen, we're, we're just coming off now to kind of set the stage. We just had our first attempt for uh, 199, and, you know, unfortunately we scrubbed on that attempt just because ground winds were so extreme. But uh, the winds, the weather, I mean, one day it's sunny and beautiful here. The next it's frigid and cold. And, you know, I think you've shared some, uh, some nights out here with us where it felt like the roof of our house was going to um, rip off. We actually had an earthquake in Gisborne, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the rating right now, but that, that shook us uh, one night. So the weather volatility is, is one, and then just the remoteness of the site. I mean, there was a time when 
uh, we had something as small as a, a fuse blow out in a piece of test equipment. And it was like, you couldn't just look around in a normal American toolbox and grab something like that. It was talking about potentially having to drive uh, an hour or so back to another hardware store or somewhere more remote just to find those items. So um, that network and the logistics supply that goes into making sure that the redundancy onsite is, uh, is covered is just something that was really different. One of the amazing positives, though, is the launch site itself. I mean, you're, you're there all together in a very small area. So you have your spacecraft processing center, the launch vehicle processing center, and then pad, you know, all within uh, a couple of hundred yards of each other. So that, that's something that was really a, a positive. But yeah, just the, the COVID restrictions at the beginning, getting in, those have since dissipated. So that's been something that's great. But we still have had, you know, teammates get hit uh, with the COVID bug. Um, as the rest of the world, you know, is dealing with, but that and just getting folks out through all the visa and uh, um, you know permit processes is has been interesting. The spacecraft transport uh, obviously was a uh, an, an amazing undertaking with a lot of different parties coming together. So yeah, that was something that was a little a little different versus just your you know get it to Vandenberg or the Cape. Um, and tell us about tell us about the first launch. What was that experience like? Well, that one was really, uh, really amazing. Um, I, I mean, they're all amazing, of course, but uh, us getting there, I mean, we had slight, you know, bottlenecks at the launch site with the previous mission with Capstone, which, you know, the teams all worked hard to make sure that those were all uh, reduced as much as possible. So when we finally got to 162, uh, it was just an amazing first attempt, um, you know, success. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, interesting interactions on the net, you know, for day of launch and us getting through it and understanding what the different reports with Rocket Lab mean and, and you know, the, their processes. So for me, it was a, an amazing learning opportunity seeing how commercial space uh, reacts and, and does things versus some of our more traditional um, DOD uh, aerospace partners. But in, in the end, they're an amazing group of professionals and, and we got through it. Um, launch is an incredible experience, but we really don't celebrate until you know the uh, SV is on orbit and healthy. So, yeah, last night was was gorgeous. The sun was setting over the what looked like the Shire. You had the, you know the sheep. You guys are are sitting up on the LCC, the Launch Control Center, and then here comes the helicopter landing as uh, Peter Beck, uh, owner of Rocket Labs, and uh, turns out he's never seen a launch before. I was surprised to hear this that he's always been on console he's never he was just excited to actually watch a launch and unfortunately it didn't go because of uh winds again is that is that the case that's exactly the case yeah when he landed he was so uh yeah just just so um personable and it was amazing that you know he came came back and talked to us and gave us the time and uh made sure that we had everything that we needed but yeah he, when he told it when he told us that that he hadn't seen a launch i uh, our team sort of laughed because we thought he was kidding with us, and, and no, he was he was being serious. So um, we said, "Oh well, you know that's amazing. Hopefully, hopefully you'll get to do it tonight." And he said, "Well, he said I'm a little worried. I'm bad luck because uh, it, my previous one scrubbed for high wind, so hopefully that doesn't happen." And unfortunately, it didn't. But he he told us he was going back to Auckland uh, today, so um, he'll he'll watch the attempt from there. I don't think he wants to be a bad omen for us again. That's too bad. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. He flew his own helicopter in from Auckland. Yeah, it was. And, you know, again, with those wind conditions also, it's, uh, yeah, I guess he's a, a very skilled pilot. So. Right. Yeah, he said it was pretty rocky. 
Um, so uh, what are the lessons learned from this, this launch that would be useful for future missions, you think? Uh, I think our major lessons learned, and of course we had you know, a lot of formal ones that we worked with Rocket Lab and tried to you know, just make sure that our teams got better as well as their teams got better, and we kept on refining the processes that we all have. But some of the ones that, that I would highlight for, for our teams and, and their teams as well is just just flexibility, um, you know, making sure that you have the right amount of people and resources and backups because you just never know um, what's going to happen, especially with a two-mission duration like this. Uh, it, it's just just because you have everything right and in place for, say, the first attempt of the first mission doesn't mean that those folks are still going to be around a month later or uh, same with resources and production facility, you know, kind of stuff. So, um, And then also... Looking at the larger manifest, I mean, you may have things on the front end with other missions or coming up on you on the back end. And if you have to delay, you know, you then become the bottleneck or, you know, you might impact someone else. So um, in this industry, I think we all try to you know, be as courteous as we can to each other. And uh, that collaboration and discussion and really transparency and honesty up front just helps everybody be better uh, prepared to do, um, you know, the best job they can do. So that was it for me. And then... Um, Another large one was just knowing to, to stand down when you need to. Uh, you know, we've had delays for different things, and um, sometimes you just have to wait. And, you know, not, not having uh, a driver to push you to an to a earlier launch date if you really, you know, the team isn't ready to go. I think sometimes we have our own subsystem views or we look at other systems as being more conservative or less conservative, and we think, you know, well, we're ready to go. Why in the world would they not be ready to go? And, you know, you just have to remember that everyone's in their spot because they're the professional and, you know, they're highly talented and they know what they're doing. You have to trust. There's a lot of trust. So, um, and then also just curbing some of your, your own biases at times. I mean, we all have the human aspect where, uh, we, we might have family obligations that we had planned on attending or, or personal, you know, um, educational kind of things that we needed to be back for, but at the end of the day, you can't let any of those um, types of outside influences, uh, you know, it, it come into your head and, and push you towards uh, maybe being a little more aggressive towards a launch date um, just for your own bias. So, um, yeah, just knowing the whole picture and in the end, it's ready when it's ready. So, Joe, so what does the capability to conduct multiple launches outside the United States like demonstrate to the NRO and to the rest of the world? Yeah, so I, I've thought a lot about that one, and it really is not lost on me, you know, the, the gravity of, of being able to take our spacecraft, uh, travel ac across international borders, and then utilize launch capabilities that aren't, you know, organic to the United States. And it really is amazing to me that the partnerships and the permit processing and the international relations that we have to be able to do that, that has just been an amazing thing. So to me, um, it, it's just awesome uh, j just knowing that we have the ability to do that. Um, I think when it comes to the NRO and, you know, just our space industry at large, that resiliency letter, uh, level that we increase by having assured access to space, um, not just for us, but also for our uh, DOD partners, uh, it's, it's just incredible. Um, we get to have another tool in the toolkit to be able to utilize the best pairing of spacecraft size and orbital requirements to launch vehicle capability. And just because, you know, we're, we're not in the continental United States, being able to say, well, going to a, 
another launch site location is an option and we can take it. Um, gives us that many more opportunities to have successful launches. Uh, it also allows us to, to learn from uh, other partners that we otherwise wouldn't have worked with and those in turn come back on us and help us uh, you know, sharpen our skill set. So it's been amazing seeing the technicians on the pad here, you know, New Zealand natives, obviously all of our Australian influence on this uh, mission set has, has just been um, an, an honor to work with and learn from. So I think it makes us all better. Yeah, that's, that's been a neat thing, seeing Australian guys sitting on console next to you. And I've never seen that before in the, all this time that I've been covering launches. But yeah, can you, how, does, how did that happen? Like, why are we working with Australia as well? Well, this, uh, you know, this mission set, we have a, a vested interest with you know, the Australian um, partners that we have. You know, and I won't go into that too much, but um, we're really, you know, they're, they're, they're with us on this. And uh, mainly us, our roles, like on console and things like that, they might not be quite as experienced in some of these uh, spacecraft and launch uh, vehicle acquisitions. So we try to, you know, explain to them why we do what we do and why we're successful. And in the end, it's going to help them whenever or if they decide to start doing their own, you know, organic acquisitions. They'll just be that much better uh, prepared to make sure that those are successful. We give them our lessons learned on how we work with our contractors and how we work with our partners and uh it, it's been a it, we learn a lot from them about you know their um cultural uh you know differences and things that um you know that may, they may uh see differently than we do but in, in the end it makes us all um i would say much much better prepared to do more international uh, collaborative efforts so it's been it's been really great on both sides Awesome. Hey, so since this show is called The Dish, I want to add a new segment. What's your, What's been your favorite dish since you've been here in New Zealand? Oh, wow. That's Yeah, that wasn't in the interview questions. <laughs> um, <clears throat> for me, I am just unfortunately uh, uh, not a lamb person. Um, so I think a lot of folks would, would say on the team, they would say that they've loved the, the lamb shanks. But for me, it's been the fish and chips. Uh, I, yeah, I've just, it's, it, that is amazing here and it's so fresh and we're so close to the ocean, obviously. So yeah, that's been my favorite. That's really good. I, I've loved the lamb myself. I've never liked lamb before until I got here. But um, okay. so uh, what are you looking forward to the most about after launch? Uh, what's the plan? Yeah, I mean, I, a, a lot of us in this industry, we, we already have other missions and things that we're working on. You know, we're never just one, one, uh, one mission and then we're done with a break. I think uh, I, I absolutely look forward to celebrating this one when I get home, seeing the family. That's going to be the biggest thing. And then as soon as I can kind of do the after actions and the closeouts from these missions, um, I'm going to be diving right back into my uh, next one. So I'm looking forward to that. And I, you know, I really appreciate my team who's kept um, the other missions in the background going in my absence, which I think uh, it's been a little longer than they anticipated. So, um, yeah, but seeing the family, that's going to be number one. And then uh, being able to jump back in and start on the next one, that's number two. So. Terrific. All right. Well, Joe, thanks for talking to us. And uh, I've been really impressed with, with your team and seeing like, how you guys all operate as a big family. And I think it's I think it's really cool. Oh, yeah. I, I just wanted to highlight that. I mean, this, this team, you know, was not just a bunch of um, technical uh, disciplines coming together to just gel for a short period of time. I mean, to your point, the family side, uh, we, we've broken bread together. We, 
as you know, there's not a lot of options when it comes to eating and logistics and things like that. So we're together all the time and uh, we've formed really strong bonds and, and really uh, great relationships that I think are going to carry through for years. And it's, um, yeah, it's just been an amazing experience. And, and these folks, they really are, you know, they have been uh, family away from family. So, um, yeah, I continue to see what they do in their professional careers and uh, going on, you know, further along. And then also their uh, their amazing um, personal lives, you know, just great people. And it's truly been an honor. So. Terrific. Great. Well, here's to mission success. Thank you. Thank you. The NRO provides reconnaissance support to the intelligence community and the Department of Defense and is dedicated to going above and beyond to protect our nation and its citizens.